and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me this week. On today's episode, we're jumping back into the Old Testament and looking at family dynamics with one of the great passages, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It lays out the foundation and the framework for really what in-house discipleship should look like while also providing one of the great sending narratives of the Bible. I'm excited for it today to see what it looks like for us to live out a bold life in relation to Deuteronomy chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and let's dive in. Today we take a look at at one of the the great passages of the Old Testament, one that is used uh, in the New Testament, and and that's actually going to be where our bouncing off point is, is in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. This is the passage that Jesus uses and quotes, or Jesus in Mark chapter 12 is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, or at least part of it. Uh, And... And there's that challenge that we've seen over and over over the past couple weeks of living that bold life is making sure that you also have yourself right with God. Uh, Sometimes, and this isn't meant to be, say, to be selfish. It's actually to say be selfless. Uh, Yet we have to be able to focus on our relationship with God in order to see our own ministry be the most effective. Uh, And that's where discipleship is that dual role. We can't just say, Uh, that I like teaching or I like learning. I don't like teaching or I like teaching. I don't like learning. Neither can work uh, by itself, especially in a discipleship role. And and so often we find ourselves in that place, well, I'm going to focus on on this or these people and, and this person in my life. Meanwhile, you're struggling in your own relationship. Now, Now, as we get to this passage, uh, again, starting in Mark chapter 12, and then we'll bounce back to Deuteronomy 6, which is our core passage for today, uh, we see in Jesus' interaction with the teacher of the law, he teaches us to love God first and foremost, and then draw from that love to love others around us and to trust our lives uh, with God as he sends us. Three things that are very important here that, that we need to build on. Again, the one Love God first and foremost. That's that's the obviously the the most foundational one in all of this. Now, knowing that love, you draw on that love that God has for us to love others around us, and that's where we usually run into a little bit of difficulty. And the other is that trust aspect of where God calls us. Now, the teachers of the law always had all sorts of different rules, and. And there is more and more rules added on to the original Ten Commandments and the books of the law. Uh, so there's always a subset of rules that are going on. In, in getting ready for this, I took a look at something that I felt had a lot of rules in it, which is uh, the tax code. And by a conservative count, based on what, again, one website said, that our tax code takes up 2,652 pages. However, if you add to it the tax law and past cases, you come up with over 75,000 pages, all trying to get us to do the right thing. <laughs> you see what's going on here. The G- In Jesus' day, the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law took 
613 Hebrew letters to spell out the Ten Commandments. <laughs> they, they filled the Ten Commandments with all sorts of, of additions that said, oh, also don't do this. Also, don't do that. But do this. And, and it was not only confusing, but it was very legalistic. They then tried to sort all of those 613 different statutes into, um, into heavy commandments and light commandments, which they could never get reach a consensus on. If you've ever uh, sat down for family movie night and said, hey, what do you guys want to watch tonight? And everybody says a different thing you know you're in for about a half an hour debate uh, on what will be the right movie to watch. And everyone's got their own opinion. That was the same thing that happened with the scribes and the Pharisees. Ten Commandments turned into 613 statutes that were were meant to, uh, they, they thought, clarify. But in, I would say it made the waters more muddy. And, and that's why throughout Mark chapter 12, you see these Pharisees and scribes and teachers of the law repeatedly putting Jesus to the test. They were trying to trip him up. Uh, it, it seems a teacher with with no hidden motive presents Jesus a question. <laughs> uh, all of the of all the commands in the Bible, which is the most important? It's a great question, uh, and and I like that he's asking this. What truly matters most in life? Or what is our chief purpose here on earth is really what's being asked. And Jesus doesn't hesitate because he goes right to the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, named for the first word that comes out of your mouth, which means to hear. Uh, the Shema, of course, found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 states, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And and like I have mentioned before, every good Jewish kid, every Israelite knew the Shema because they said it out loud as a confession of faith every morning and every night. It was their good morning prayers. It was their good evening prayers. And and Jesus said, it is the most important to love God first. And that's really our, our first point today. And And I need to hammer this home because it seems so straightforward, yet we seem to be so focused at times on other people uh, whether selfishly or selflessly, that that we sometimes forget to focus on our own selves. And uh, one of the areas that you can see this quite often is in, in, in a marriage setting, where you will have a couple that is busy serving in all of these different areas, and yet they've never taken their own time for themselves. And because of that, the marriage is struggling. There's this real a reality that you need to focus on your core relationship. And for Jesus here in Mark chapter 12, he's saying that core relationship is with God first and then those closest to you uh, and then your neighbor. We're not to sim- simply love God with our emotions. That's more of a modern concept of love. We're to go well beyond that and to love him with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Uh, our love for God will, will influence what we do and what we say and where we spend our money and how we spend our time. Who will be our friend? Who will we marry? And, and as the Shema states, there is but one God 
And he must be our God. So much of a focus on the possessive aspect of God that he is ours. Uh, Anything or anyone else that takes top spot becomes an idol or a cheap substitute. We must put God first uh, or everything will be out of order in our lives. It starts that snowball effect. I'm not sure what the California version of a snowball effect is, uh, but it starts that, that snowball effect in every part of our lives. Nothing will make sense if we do not uh, put God first. Uh, uh, St. Francis Xavier wrote uh, in a great quote, So I love you and will love And in all my praise, I will sing solely because you are my God, my eternal King. Again, what makes that such a a powerful quote is the the statement of possession. I will sing praise to you uh, because you are my God and my eternal King. And sometimes people wonder, why does Scripture say God is a jealous God? Which is a, a great question. He is jealous for your affection because he knows nothing else will do. Uh, and if you put anything else or anyone else first, you'll be let down. Why? Because priorities will be out of whack. God knows that. So God protects first place for himself. God, put God first and he will help you with everything else. That's what the first four Ten Commandments are all about. Keeping God first. And and they're the ones that hold the most priority here and why they are the first four. And Jesus addresses this, in fact, on the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about how people worry about food and clothes. uh, And after reminding how God feeds the birds of the air and clothes the the flowers of the field, he said in in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Love God first and foremost, put God first, seek God's will in everything, and then everything else will start to fall into place. The moment we switch it around and swap God out, um, everything changes and it throws everything out of whack. But then to go further beyond this, we also see that we're supposed to draw on God's love to love your neighbor as yourself. And and Jesus took two different verses from the books of the law uh, for this. And the books of the law or the Torah, and that's the first five books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. uh, And they're they're considered to be the most holy by the Jewish people. The two rarely use the verb uh, vahavta, which translates, and you shall love. So Jesus tied together the idea of loving God from Deuteronomy 6 with loving your neighbor as yourself from Leviticus 19. Nobody asked him for a second commandment, yet he was tying the two together immediately. He wasn't saying, here are my top two, right? I don't know if you've ever been into Baskin Robbins or an ice cream store or a candy store. Obviously, I have a sweet tooth, so that's... You can see where I'm going with this. But if you go into to Baskin Robbins uh, and and you look around and you see all of those flavors of ice cream, and then they got those little spoons there, right? The little spoons that say, hey, try every different flavor before you choose your own. <laughs> and, and, and you know you have to choose one. I mean, in theory, you can get... 
you know, multiple bowls of ice cream. But, you know, you just you want to land on one. But you've got 32 different flavors that you're supposed to choose from. Now, the teacher of the law knows the, the same thing in the sense of the law. you got 613 statutes right now. And what are, which one is your favorite? And and it's it, in theory, it would be hard to choose, yet they know that this is this core one. Yet Jesus adds a second one, but he doesn't add the second. That's what I, I love about this. He ties it exactly in. He uses that verb of Deuteronomy 6, vahavta, uh, and you shall love, and he ties that right in uh, with the Leviticus the, the Leviticus 18 passage, or 19, verse 18, which says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The two are inseparable is what Jesus is saying when you look at Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. In fact, I would go so far to say that it is impossible to love God and hate your neighbor. If you truly hate someone around you, you do not love God in your heart as fully as you should. Because this is a core command. To, to build on that, the Apostle John wrote similar words in 1 John 4.20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates, his, hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God for whom they have not seen. It's impossible to love God and hate your neighbor. You just can't do both at the same time. And I know this this may sound somewhat controversial, but this puts the priority, and Jesus is showing the priority, that this puts on evangelism in that discipleship model. Where you are yourself are learning from someone and you are bringing someone else along with you. So with that in mind, the alternative is to draw on God's love to love your neighbor as yourself. So we are to love God more than ourselves and our neighbor as ourselves. The last six of the Ten Commandments are all about loving your neighbor as yourself. If you're having trouble loving your neighbor, you know, take a look at those last six of the Ten Commandments and it starts to lay a very good foundation for that. Uh, one of the in, in one of his good quotes, and he, I've, I often quote C.S. Lewis on here uh, in his book, Mere Christianity, uh, writes, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you do. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great se- we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you loved someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you'll find yourself disliking him more. If you uh, if you uh, do him a good turn, then you will find yourself disliking him less. So, so C.S. Lewis kind of, as he's building off of, of these passages, is writing kind of something profound where he's saying, it's not just about that mental aspect of saying, do I love this person? It's saying, if you're having a tough time loving that person in your heart, start acting like you love him and your heart will follow, uh, which is, is kind of a cool perspective on it. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, for us, as we deal with this and, and look at this this week, I I re- realize that this is, again, something that we struggle with quite often. So often there is that disconnect between, oh, yeah, like I care for that person. I love that person. Yet there's zero action that shows it. We are, uh, we are living in a world where um, 
everyone can get triggered by something. Uh, and, and everyone's got a different opinion in one way, shape, or form. Uh, and and you will see that friendships, and you may be in this place where friendships have been broken because of it. Uh, and, and people don't talk to each other because they disagree on uh, political views. They disagree on how to raise uh, you know, families, they disagree on whatever's going on in in the news. And that is what disintegrates relationships. It's, it's hard to imagine that that is what disintegrates a relationship. But that's what's happening, where everyone is able to now find a place in some something about somebody else that they dislike. And there's no place in that in in Scripture where I see that we're supposed to be loving our neighbor, not picking out the faults and disliking them more. Yet, we find ourselves in that, that place. And, and I think the, the big thing is in all of this, as we start to summarize and, and, and land the plane here, is that it's, again, yeah, love God first— then love, first and foremost, and more than yourself, love your neighbor as yourself. And then you have this great calling narrative where God is calling you to go out. Um, the Apostle John tells us how we are able to love anyone in 1 John four nineteen. If you're looking for how on earth you love your neighbor or love your in-law or love your family member who disagrees with you and, and is always, you're having a real struggle with, Remember 1 John 4.19, because it can't get more simple than this. We love because he first loved us. God is the one who can help us love our neighbor and love him as ourselves. It won't, we won't be able to do it otherwise. That, that's, I think, the, the straightforward part of it. God is the very definition of love, right in 1 John 4.8 as well. God is love, period. So why not trust your life to the one who authored love itself, God? Jesus talked about love for a neighbor when he he said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And and I think in, in today's story, the teacher of the law seemed to have all the right answers. He knew that loving God and others was more important than any outward actions, like making proper sacrifices. Relationships trump the rules uh, every time, and, and the teacher got that, and yet he was missing one relationship. And Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God in Mark twelve thirty four, He was close, but he wasn't quite there yet. You see, you can know all about God's love and still not trust your life to God's love and to the God of love. And this man was not far off. He knew the right things, but he had not yet submitted to the right person. And and Jesus was standing there right in front of him, and he hadn't realized it yet. He thought he was coaching a rabbi. And in reality, Jesus was coaching him. You're not far Make that leap. Trust me with your life, Jesus is saying. And and so I want us to really take into perspective today what that looks like. All right. Not only when we ask ourselves, are we putting God first in every part of our lives? But really the next part, which is saying, are we loving our neighbors as ourselves? 
And I want you to think of the most difficult person you can think of that you seem to always wrestle with um, and, and disagree with and saying, how do you love that person as yourself? It will not be easy. I think the prayer that we want to have is to say that, you know, God, we get confused about love sometimes and our own agendas constantly get in the way. And to be honest, we don't love you or the people around us or sometimes ourselves like we should. But we need your love, God, to help us. We open ourselves up to love today and and, and help us grasp how fully and complete God's love is for us and help us reciprocate that love to others. That's the prayer that we have. Uh, Because there are people in our lives who, as Jesus described, are not far off from the kingdom. And we want to do everything we can to help them be drawn into God's family. I'm going to finish there for today. I think that's a great way of finishing up our family dynamics and in looking at what the priorities in our life should be. And this Deuteronomy 6, Mark chapter 12 passage has such a great dynamic between itself and also the Leviticus 19 uh, and, and how it works. There's all these subtleties that you don't get of Jesus just taking two commands and making them one and saying they're inseparable. And so I want to leave us with that, that you love God and you love your neighbor and, and that is, is how we start to share the gospel and how we start to intersect the gospel with our own culture in a positive way. Thanks for joining me today. I've been enjoying this series. I hope you have been too. And I'm looking forward to next week where we dive further into what it means to live a bold life as disciple. But until then, take care, have a great week, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church welcome, and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.